Nicole here. Welcome back to Psychominds Podcast, episode 5. For this episode, we'll be continuing with our end ABA series, and we'll be looking at challenging behavior. So as part of this episode, we'll be looking into the four functions of challenging behavior. So that is the why is the challenging behavior occurring. We'll also be looking at the strategies to use before challenging behavior occurs, as well as what you can do during and after challenging behavior occurs. And all of this is supposed to help you with teaching adaptive skills while reducing the maladaptive behaviors. So before we get into this episode, I would suggest checking out the PsychMinds resources page where you can access your free download. So for this episode, the free download is a sample of a behavior support plan that I created. So as part of my practice, and for pretty much all of the clients that I've worked with, I have always created behavior support plans. These are always individualized and tailored to the person, the client, and their specific needs. However, I did think it would be kind of interesting, especially if you're a therapist in the ABA field, a parent, or a caregiver. It could be interesting just to see what a behavior support plan looks like. And if your child is part of a therapy team, uh, it would be interesting to see what kind of plan that they can create for your child. So the free download just describes some strategies to implement before and after challenging behavior occurs, as well as how to teach replacement behaviors. But again, this is just a standard sample and shouldn't be used with any particular child. It's just so you can get an idea of what behavior support plans look like. In order to access the sample, all you have to do is sign up as a subscriber on psychminds.com, and then you'll have access to the entire resource library. Uh, There's already quite a few free downloads there, and every month this is updated with new content as per the podcast schedule. So for every episode, there's a free downloadable workbook or resource. But for now, get comfortable, sit back and take a listen. I hope you learned something new today. So I have worked with a lot of children, a lot of clients, with all sorts of challenging behaviors. Uh, This can vary from extreme behavior like biting, punching, hair pulling to the ground. Uh, So I've been in some kind of very difficult, painful situations. But then it also goes to the opposite end where the challenging behavior is extremely mild, like spitting or nail biting, or maybe even just kind of laughing in a non-contextual manner. So I've kind of seen a wide variety of behaviors that I've had to target. Whatever the behavior is, there's always a function behind it. So the function of the behavior is the reason why the child is engaging in that behavior. And based on research, there are four standard functions of behavior. So the first is escape. So the individual is engaging in challenging behavior to escape or avoid tasks and demands. So think of a child who drops to the floor and maybe rolls around every time a demand is placed upon him. So this dropping and rolling to the floor is their way of escaping doing that demand. Uh, The second function of behavior is attention. So the 
individual engages in challenging behavior to gain another person's attention. So an example of this would be a child hits their siblings and then looks over to their parents, so they want to get that attention from the parents. And this can definitely be in the form of negative attention as well, such as, you know, stop, don't do that, or that was a mean thing to do. That's also attention. The third function for challenging behavior is accessing tangibles. So an individual may engage in challenging behavior to gain access to a toy or activity. And an example of this would be a boy hits his father when the father takes away the iPad. So the boy's hitting to get access to the iPad again. And then the last function is automatic or sensory. So the individual engages in challenging behavior to gain some sort of sensory stimulation. So an example of this would be a child engages in rocking backwards and forwards because they like that sensation. So those are just the standard functions. And for the most part, many of the behaviors that I've observed and that I've targeted do fall into one of those categories. And I've been able to create behavior support plans based around these functions. So in order to identify which function is applicable to a behavior of interest, it's important to observe what is occurring before and after that target behavior occurs. So when you're looking at what happens before, we are looking for triggers in the environment. So what is likely to happen right before that challenging behavior occurs? Is placing a demand on your child likely to cause your child to scream? So if that's the case, then the trigger is placing the demand, telling them to do something. And then it's highly possible that the screaming is to access escape from the demand. So therefore the function would be escape. It's also important to observe what's happening after the behavior occurs. So back to the screaming example, if the child screams after the demand is placed on them, what's going to happen after? Is the demand removed? Does the parent say, okay, okay, you know, you don't have to do that anymore, it's fine. If that happens, and if that's the case, then the child is successfully escaping the demand, and they're likely to scream in the future whenever a non-preferred task or demand is placed upon them. So once you've identified triggers and consequences surrounding a behavior of interest, it's then easier to understand the behavior and to implement strategies to either decrease the challenging behavior or, more importantly, to replace it with something that's more adaptive. So now we're going to talk about some strategies that we can implement before a challenging behavior occurs. So a strategy that I use a lot, and probably with most of my clients, is using visuals. So visuals are an easy way to depict the rules of the situation, so what you expect your child to do. So for example, some typical standard rules that I would use would be a picture of a cartoon, you know, sitting nicely, so sit nicely, quiet voice, raise your hand, depending if they're in like a school setting, good hands, walking feet, whatever the rules are. I also have used a lot of work schedule visuals, again, especially in school settings. So this can be, you know, as complicated as writing out their whole schedule in written format. So first you go to your math class, then English, then there's a break, and then 
you know, there's your gym class, and you kind of write everything out so it's very clear what the child has to do. But it can also be as simple as a first-then schedule. So it's first some sort of work task, then a break. And uh, you can keep it simple like that based on what your child can understand. You can create visuals of communication responses, of tokens. So if your child is using tokens, so for every correct response they get a token, and then after a few tokens they can exchange that for a break or for time on the iPad, whatever the system that you have set up is. Tokens are a great visual to help keep your child motivated uh, to complete their work. So in general, visuals are very kind of easy to implement, and they're also easy for your child to understand and use successfully. Another strategy to implement before challenging behavior occurs is to teach replacement behaviors. So it's important not to just focus on the quote-unquote bad behaviors. It's actually more important to understand that the behavior is not actually maladaptive for the child. So screaming or hitting may be a very effective response for the child. So if they scream, they get to escape the demand. So screaming is actually an adaptive behavior for the child. But what we're looking at is the more social context, where clearly screaming, hitting, biting are not adaptive behaviors. So it's essential to teach your child effective behaviors that are equivalent to and can replace the socially maladaptive behavior. So instead of your child screaming whenever they want to access some sort of break or escape from the demand, simply teach them that they can say, I need a break, I don't want to do this now. Some sort of communication response which has the same value and the same consequence as the maladaptive behavior. And then once they are consistently asking for a break, instead of engaging the maladaptive behavior, that's when you can start fading in the demands again. So slowly, slowly, you can build up their compliance repertoire. And I can kind of focus more on that teaching strategy in a future podcast episode. So I'm going to quickly speed through some of the others. Otherwise, we can be here all day kind of talking about strategies to implement before challenging behavior occurs. Another one, especially in school settings, is to allow for frequent breaks. Uh, sometimes your child might need sensory breaks, movement breaks, or simply they might find kind of constant demands overwhelming. And if you think about a classroom setting, there are constant demands. So even if the teacher is not always saying something, you know, like, do this, take out your workbook, the demands are almost inherently always there. You're expected to sit nicely in your chair. You're expected to kind of maybe fold your hands on your lap or on the table. You're expected not to whisper to your friend. So there's a lot of demands that some children may find overwhelming, and they may just need a break from that environment every 10 or 15 minutes. So maybe they just go for a quick walk around, go get a drink for a minute, something like that, to help them deal with the situation and help them kind of comply with the demands when they're in the classroom context. As I mentioned earlier, fading in demands is an important strategy. So let's say you're at home and you want your child to tidy up their room, but you know whenever you ask your child to tidy their room, they throw a tantrum. They start screaming, crying, throwing things, whatever it is, they don't want to do it. 
So instead of saying tidy your room, you could fade in the demands by saying put two toys away. So instead of tidying the entire room, all they have to do is pick up two toys off the floor, put them in a box, and they're done for the day. The next day, you might ask them to put three toys away. And then the day after that, if they're successful, you might say tidy up this corner of the room and you build up their repertoire that way. It's also important to enrich their environment. So ensure that there are lots of reinforcers, fun, motivational items in your child's environment so that they are kind of motivated to do the things that you're asking them and uh, whatever the context may be. It's important to always have an enriched environment. Another strategy that I've used with many of my clients is to use timers. So for some children, it's difficult for them to understand the concept of time and to understand that they have to do a certain activity for a certain amount of time before they access a break. So this kind of ties back into using visuals. So a way for you to anchor that and make it clear how much time you expect them to do, I don't know, a writing task, you simply set a timer for them. So maybe you expect them to do something just for two minutes. Uh, You expect them to write for two minutes straight. So you set your timer and then they write. When the two minute timer stops, they can get a break or whatever it is they want. So that's a useful strategy that I've used with a lot of children. And last but not least, offering choice. So a very basic uh, strategy, which has also proven to be very effective, especially with a lot of the clients I've worked with, is simply to allow them to choose. So let's say that you have a list of activities that the child has to do, or perhaps, you know, you're helping them with homework and there's so many, you know, subjects that they have homework in, whether it's math, science, English. Instead of just telling them, okay, you need to do math, science, and English, give them choice. Let them decide, you know, maybe I want to do the science first because it's more fun, then the English, and then lastly, the math. So simply let them have that choice. Let them feel a bit more in control of how their day goes, of how they decide to do their activities. And simply having the choice can increase their motivation to complete whatever tasks they have to complete. Now we're going to move on to talking about some strategies to implement after challenging behavior occurs. So let's say there's challenging behavior occurring, they're screaming, they're having a fit, whatever it is. One strategy you can do is to simply ignore the challenging behavior. So you would look away, continue with your activity that you're doing, and you would act as if the challenging behavior is not even occurring. Now, you can only do this if the context is safe. So if whatever the challenging behavior is, is not actually harming the child. So if they're engaging in some sort of self-injurious behavior, you can't implement this strategy. You'd have to intervene because it's not safe if they're hitting themselves, for example. But if they're maybe just stomping their foot or screaming or, or calling out or something like that, that's something that you can ignore. And you may use ignoring for attention maintained behavior. So if they're kind of throwing something to catch your attention, you can just ignore that. And then by ignoring, you may break that pairing. So the child has learned that if I throw something, I'll get their attention. But if you do not give your attention, you would break the pairing between throwing objects and getting attention. Again, you can only do this if the environment and the context and the challenging behavior 
is something safe to ignore. And then once the child stops engaging in challenging behavior, it's important to jump in quickly and teach an adaptive response. So instead of them throwing something to your attention, they should say, excuse me, hey, whatever it is. And if they engage in the desired response, you should provide a lot of attention, a lot of positive reinforcement, so that we see them engaging in the adaptive behavior more than the maladaptive. Another strategy to implement would be to remain neutral and follow through. So this may be quite pertinent when dealing with escape-maintained behavior. So if they're trying to avoid doing a certain task, you could try prompting your child to follow through. So by prompting, you'd be helping them and you would have them continue the necessary activity, but you may make the activity a bit simpler. So instead of saying they have to do, you know, three things as part of their homework, maybe you would reduce it to two things and prompt them through it. But it's important to remain neutral, not provide excessive attention if they're engaging in challenging behavior, and to ensure that there is some sort of follow-through. Response blocking is another strategy that you can use, especially if there are unsafe behaviors occurring. So if the child is hitting themselves, you may want to prevent the behavior by physically blocking the response or putting some sort of pad in between where the child is hitting. And, you know, if they're trying to hit their head, you might put a pad between their arm and their head, something like that to avoid any injury. And a lot of times we might use response blocking for some sort of sensory maintained behavior. So, for example, if they're engaging in nail biting because they like the sensation of it, you might try and block that response from occurring. You can also prompt incompatible behaviors. So again, perhaps nail biting, instead of blocking it, because that's quite an intrusive action on your part to physically block a child from engaging in a certain behavior, you might try to prompt an incompatible behavior. So instead of blocking, you would provide them perhaps with a fidget spinner. So if they're engaging with a fidget spinner and playing with that, they can't also bite their nail at the same time. Or perhaps I've seen so many of these very popular looking things, these poppers, where you pop one side and then you can pop it back. Give them that to kind of play with instead of biting their nails. But always remember that safety is the priority. So for example, let's say the kid's engaging in some sort of flopping behavior to get your attention, so they're flopping to the ground. If you're on a busy road, you're not just going to ignore that, even though they're flopping to get attention. That is not a behavior and not an environment where you can ignore that. It's obviously safer to perhaps just pick up your child and cross the street or whatever it is. But if you're at home and the environment is totally safe and they're flopping on the floor to get your attention, that's a context where you could possibly ignore that behavior and wait it out and then prompt some sort of appropriate response. So while these are just some general tips and strategies, it is very important to understand the function of the behavior and then to tailor the behavior plan in accordance with the function. So everything is kind of planned around the function of the behavior. And each child's behavior plan will look slightly different as there's no one-size-fits-all approach. So again, the download that I've provided is just a very kind of standard, generic behavior support plan, and it's not for anyone in particular. 
But again, it's just something for you to kind of get an idea as to what behavior support plans may look like. Seeking professional support early on, though, is vital, as research shows that early intervention is crucial to seeing positive outcomes in the future. So if you do feel like you would like to contact a professional and get a behavior support plan for your child in place, it's important to look what behavior therapy centers are in your area and contact them and see what services they offer are. And it's also important to keep in mind that the kind of crucial component of any of these strategies is basically reinforcement. So that is rewarding the appropriate behavior. So while I was kind of talking a lot about the, again, quote unquote, bad behaviors, it's easy to kind of get stuck in just thinking of the negative, thinking of what your child is not doing, but it is actually important to focus on what your child is doing and what they are doing that is socially appropriate and is a socially adaptive behavior. And to always celebrate that and reinforce that because you do get more of what you reinforce. So again, when teaching your child the adaptive skills, it's important to have a reinforcement party whenever they engage in them. So if they do start saying, hey, excuse me, can you come over here? So if they're asking for your attention in an appropriate way, as opposed to, let's say, they would hit to get your attention before, once they start using that appropriate response, you should really reinforce that, praise it, high fives, tickles, hugs, whatever it is that your child finds reinforcing provide a lot of that for any kind of socially adaptive behavior that you're teaching. And then the child will kind of make that connection and pair that, oh, I get all this fun stuff, all these reinforcements, all this, you know, praise when I do this behavior, but I don't get it when I engage in the other maladaptive behavior. If you like this episode, I would definitely recommend checking out the behavior support plan on the resource section on psychminds.com. And as always, everything stated in this podcast is not prescriptive, so take what works for you and leave what doesn't. But if you do have any kind of questions or comments, I would love it if you reach out and get in touch with me. I always enjoy hearing from any of you, the listeners, the community, so I'd love it if you do reach out and kind of tell me what's working for you and what's not. I hope you enjoyed this episode and I look forward to connecting with you in the next one. Mm-hmm.